This is TSC Now, a podcast from the TSC Alliance. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of TSC Now. As always, I'm your host, Dan Klein. This month, we are doing something a little different. In a little over two weeks, on Sunday, October 17th, the TSC Alliance will be celebrating our 19.5 annual Comedy for a Cure. This year, the event will be a hybrid event, meaning that if you live in Southern California and are fully vaccinated, you can go see the show live at Feinstein's at Vitello's in Studio City, California for only $75. That ticket includes dinner and a drink. But also, just like last year, the event will also be live streamed on comedyforacure.org. So for just $25, you can watch the show anywhere in the world. It was so cool hearing about everyone that held watch parties for last year's event, and we encourage you to invite all of your friends over for a hilarious night of comedy. And as always, funds raised at Comedy for a Cure support the TSC Alliance's mission to find a cure for tuberous sclerosis complex while improving the lives of those affected. So your tickets and donations help drive cutting-edge research to accelerate new treatments and inspires hope in the entire TSC community. So having said all that, I wanted to give you a sneak peek at what you can expect from this year's show. So I caught up with our hosts and honorees for the evening to ask them why they're involved and what we, the viewer, can look forward to. First, I talked to the incredibly funny Jim O'Hare. Jim came to his first Comedy Fork Your event back in 2013 and has actively been involved in the event ever since, serving as host and MC. And also, we had the pleasure of honoring Jim with a roast and toast at the 16th annual Comedy for a Cure in 2017. Beyond that, Jim has lent his talent to our IMTSC campaign, performed in the 40th anniversary play Four Decades, One Community, and co-hosted our 45th anniversary gala in New York City. I had so much fun chatting with him, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it too. So without further ado, Here's my conversation with Jim. So we're now joined by the incomparable Jim O'Hare, who is a member of our comedian committee and will be co-hosting the 19.5 annual Comedy for Cure on October 17th. Jim, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me and joining me on TSC Now. Anything for TSC, you know that. I'm thrilled. I'm super excited. This event, the lineup is incredible. The space is incredible and they're going to be feeding us. So, you know, it's all good. So you've been involved in Comedy for Cure in one way or another for several years now. And actually, your very first experience with Comedy for a Cure, you were a guest back in 2013. What was that experience like? You'd never even heard of tuberous sclerosis. What did it feel like to be in the audience that night? That is what changed everything for me. You know, I get a call from my publicist. He says, Jim, there's this charity that's having an event. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on board for helping charities. You know, how could you not be? And I got there and I've told the story a million times and it's embarrassing, but it is what it is. I thought it was tuberculosis. They said something to me like, like on the, they do, you know, like a little mini red carpet. And they said, Jim, what are your thoughts on this? And I, I said, I thought we had cured this. <laughs> That's how uninformed and stupid. But anyway, I learned quickly that it wasn't. And it was tuberous sclerosis. And then I went into the actual event. And wow, within a very short time, I was hooked. They show videos and they're showing the families and they're showing what these kids are dealing with. They're not just kids. These kids grow up to be adults and they're still this doesn't just magically go away as they get older. So it was hooked 
line and sinker for me that when I left that night, I knew that if they needed me, I would be there. And so far I've been able to, it's just run by amazing people who I trust, who have become friends, not just people I see here and there. You can't watch the videos. You can't hear the testimonials. If it doesn't hit you, then something wrong with your heart. You got to get that heart checked out because not only is it tough to watch with some of the kids, it's also inspiring because there have been amazing advances. Like really, even since the short time I've been there, seven years, eight years, there've been amazing advances. There's medicines now that kids aren't seizing all the time. So it's not just tough to see what they're going through, but it's also encouraging because there's hope. And as long as there's hope, you know, we can move forward. So you talk about how you were so inspired from that first show that you were willing to help out. We've made good use of that. And in fact, fact, right away, the following year, we asked you to MC and you said, yes. What was that experience like being on the other side, seeing the show get put together soup to nuts? Yeah, it's all terrifying. But I will tell you, you know, Kari and April, who, you know, those are my main folks I'm working with when this all happens. They just know what they're doing and they're just such pros and they make us feel better because I do it with, you know, Mo Collins and Alex Scooby and oh God, so many people have been involved, Craig Shoemaker and, and, and the list, you know, Kay Flannery, the list goes on and on. So, and as long as everyone's there with the same purpose, which is to help this organization, it all works out. But it is nerve wracking because you'd hate to be the guy who screws it up. Well, the world has changed, you know, since we're doing it virtual instead of all in person, because we used to have every April, just this huge, big event and, you know, things have changed. Hopefully we'll get back to that sooner than later. So it's different, but the leadership is so strong that they just make it happen. But yeah, it's still scary. I will be nervous on the 17th of October. I will be nervous again because that's just who I am. And once we get rolling, it'll be great. And we're lucky, especially because with such great comedians, even if I goof it up, there'll still be a lot of laughs. So you name dropped some of your fellow comedian committee cohort, Alex Scooby, Kate Flannery, Mo Collins. Can you talk a little bit about how the comedian committee came together and how you guys helped find some of these hilarious comedians for the show? Well, coming together, I believe it was Kari and April who, you know, came up with this idea for this. All of a sudden they were contacting me. And then I started, you know, putting the word out with other people I know who had like Kate had performed at one of the events years earlier. So she was already on board. And then, you know, the more you talk talk to people, it's not a tough sell. It's not tough to get people involved. The tough part is getting schedules. That is the toughest part for anybody, even for me. You know, the people involved, we're all very blessed. We tend to work a lot. And so we're here, we're there. You never know where we're going to be. So that's the toughest part. But as far as getting them on board, that's easy. You can't say to somebody, listen, there's these kids. And when they're born, they have these tubers and they have seizures. You can't say things like that without people wanting to get involved. So now though, we have this pretty solid committee and we meet, we used to, and before COVID, have our lunch and the first 45 minutes was always just BS, you know, laughing and joking about whatever stupid stuff in our lives. And then at some point, somebody would push us toward like, (laughs) we are here for a reason. And then we would get into the business of things and start throwing around ideas of, you know, what can we do for this year? Who can we get for this year? Because, you know, it's, We live in a world where, you know, if you get a good headliner, it can make all the difference in the world. So it's a pretty tight group. Some people come and go depending on what they're doing. Like Mo now is shooting a show in Austin. So they're 
physical availability is tough, but yet they're always on board to do whatever video or Alex got the dulcet tones of uh, Alex Scooby. He can do the voiceovers. So people help out where they can if they can't be in person. Yeah, I love the comedy committee. I love the name of it even. Just our little comedy committee and we have a good time. Yeah, that lunch sounds a lot of fun. I'm going to have to figure out how to get invited to the next one. No, as a matter of fact, Dan, your name was brought up and we took a vote. And uh, well, sorry, dude, it just didn't go your way. But it was close. It was seven to one. So, you know, somebody out there is, you know, you know, I'm glad I have at least one champion out there in the world. Well, to be honest, it it. was me and it was a bit of a pity vote, but still, I wanted to help out where I could. (laughs) We love you, Dan. You're welcome anytime. One of the special things about this event is we throw this big party, but we also bring in families who come year after year and you've gotten to interact with these families. You've been involved so long. You've seen their kids grow up. What is that like? It's amazing. When we did the event in New York, it was the gala. First of all, the event turned out to be unbelievable, more than I had ever anticipated, not just this amazing venue, but the people that showed up and the money that people donated, you know, through the silent auction and the the live auction was like none I'd ever seen. But this one girl, I wish I could think of her name and I can't anyway, but she was telling me she got her driver's license. And I thought, how is that possible? Like, and yet she's doing great. She's doing great because of this organization. Her family relies on this organization. They've changed their lives. And so it is an honor but yet still shocking. It's like when I see my own nieces and stuff growing up, it's like, what's happening? But yet I love that they're growing up. This is something that can be dealt with. We need to go further, which is why we need more research, obviously. And that's why these events will go on until someday somebody goes, we figured it out. And now we got it taken care of. But until that day, we have to keep doing this. But it's awesome. I mean, I've had outside meals with families when we weren't even doing a TSC thing. It's amazing. And yet I still, you know, because on Facebook, the families will post when their kids are going in for their scans or for their treatments. You know, there's this thing called scanxiety. And anyone who's ever dealt with whatever disease, if you go in for scans, I've dealt with it myself. You know, you're waiting for the results. And I sweat it out with these parents sometimes because you don't know what these scans are going to show. And so, anyway, yeah. I've become uh, tight with some of the families, but I consider it an honor. So in 2017, you had the distinct honor of being roasted at our (laughs) Comedy Fair Cure event. And we even gathered videos from all of your Parks and Rec co-stars. What was that like to be on the honorary slash receiving side of some of the jabs? First of all, I love a roast. I love watching roasts. I love doing them. I think they're horribly mean, but as long as everybody goes in with knowing we're just joking, I love them. And they're not for everybody. Amy Poehler, even in her video, she goes, I don't like roasts because she's like, so just so sweet. So everyone handles that differently. I love it. I am very self-deprecating in general. A roast works when it comes from love and not meanness. Like I've seen some roasts that do go overboard, but this wasn't that. This was out of love. A lot of the cast, you know, from Parks, most of them, I think, you know, did a video for me and it was awesome. I love that kind of thing. I have it on my computer. I watch it every once in a while and it's embarrassing and fun. I'm not worthy of, you know, they gave me an award that year. It's all very lovely. I don't feel I deserve any of it, but it was awesome. I just love it. So you kind of mentioned last year how we did our very first virtual comedy for a cure in the fall. And, you know, this event is a hybrid event. In one sense, it gives us the opportunity to invite everybody 
in the TSC community to do comedy for a cure. They don't have to come to Southern California. What was it like hosting a virtual event? How is it different from the real in-person event? I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a computer guy. Like I'm the worst pretty much. We did a reunion on Parks and Rec and they sent cameras to our homes. I thought my head was going to explode. I just, my brain does not work like that. I don't know what that is, but I don't have whatever that is. It's tough. It's weird. We did rehearsals. It's not my cup of tea. I know I've had to adjust because this is how the world is right now. Like even this podcast we're doing virtually, it's fine. It is what it is. So it was different. I think we learned a lot of lessons on how to do it, what we needed to correct and, you know, make smoother. And also, you know, you're relying on technology. Wi-Fi goes down, things happen, someone kicks a plug and then all of a sudden <laughs> there's no show. So I think it's nerve wracking. I like in person. I like shaking a hand. But again, here's what I also love, the resilience of this organization. Now they could have just said, okay, until this COVID thing is cleaned up, we're going to have to just sit on the back burners and do what we can to raise money here and there. No, no, no. They said, no, we got a project here. We have an agenda. And they put together, I think, an amazing virtual event and still did great and raised money for the organization. And then it just gets better and better with each one. And so to hybrid it this year, I think is the perfect situation, especially because I'll be on the live end of it. I love that. I don't have to worry if I've hit mute or video off or something, which I've done. I've had full conversations and the people are trying to tell me they can't hear me because I've hit the wrong button. But this organization is amazing. They have fought through COVID to be there for their community. And it's, it's inspiring. Well, you know, we weren't going to give you a year off. You have forgotten <laughs> yeah, about us. Exactly. <laughs> I did appreciate how your faulty internet was an ongoing joke in last year's show. Yes. And, and Alex giving giving you a little bit of it for uh, being too cheap to pay for good internet. Yes. He's like, you got more money. Get a good internet. I'm like, I'm sitting. And here's the thing as far as that went. I specifically purchased a Wi-Fi booster. Is that a thing where you plug it in? And supposedly that even makes things better. And I had never had an issue and I bought it anyway, just because of that. So for all I know, that is what goofed up my Wi-Fi. I have no idea because I've never had an issue, but there it was. And again, I'm not someone who can figure it out because I don't know what's happening to begin with, Dan. It's very sad. Let's face it. I have based my career on my good looks. And that is, it's all I got going for me is being better looking than pretty much everybody else. You agree with that, right, Dan? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm nodding vigorously. I know that a podcast is an audio medium, but know that I am vehemently nodding in the background. I would imagine. I don't know how you couldn't. How has the organization changed since you've been involved? How has the mission changed? And just you mentioned it at the top. It's sad to hear some of these stories from these families, but there's also so much hope. How have you felt that hope as you've continued to be involved year after year? Well, I see the hope. First of all, when you're with the people, they're always so gracious and loving and wonderful. But I've seen the change in the different things that have happened because of this organization, because of the research. That's there. You can look that up. That's right there. And that means it's changing these kids' lives. There's a girl, Maddie, who I know her family and lovely people. And I think she's going to have a regular life because of this organization and the strides that have been made. She's had brain surgeries, tough stuff. And now she goes to school and she gets good grades and she's involved in cheerleading and she does this and she does that. And her parents, Heather and Chris are just amazing people. Their, their last name is Lens. They're just this lovely family. And so I see that and realize how important this organization is. And they're just, you know, one family out of the so many, so, so, so many. But to get to see the people when they 
they post and see the advances their kids are making. That blows me away. You know, that's through or certainly the help of this organization that raises money for research. And now, you know, it's been connected to autism, which is, of course, such a game changer. I don't know. And I've also seen, again, not that this surprised me, it just solidified my respect for them, how they have managed to change with the times, how they've managed to handle this COVID situation. It's just a classy operation. Well, we appreciate you spreading the word and helping to raise awareness of the TSC Alliance and tuber sclerosis in general. Finally, pitch me on this year's show. Why should people get tickets? Well, the good news is I'm probably going to have frontal nudity. Now that I would think should be enough reason for tickets to sell out. No, actually, here's the thing. You know what? If you guys show up, I won't do frontal nudity. That'll get people there. So yes. it's a threat is what it's you're saying. Threat. If you don't show up, I, there is going to be frontal nudity. No, this is going to be a great event. The lineup and all credit goes to Wendy Liebman. You know, Wendy knows everybody. Wendy is just number one, a kind, loving person and a wonderful heart. And she's, and I am always so excited to be with Wendy because I've been a fan of Wendy's before I ever met Wendy. I love her style of comedy. It's always been my cup of tea. I've seen her shows before I knew her. So I'm a big fan of Wendy and she has brought together just a great cast of comedians. They're all AGT alumni at Vitello's, which is this lovely place. It's got parking, which is always important. <laughs> you can park, but also the way it's set up, if you pay $75, you're going to get a meal and a drink. And I can tell you an incredible show. Drew Lynch is the headliner. You can look him up on YouTube and watch some of his stuff. He's so darn funny. He's got a stutter in real life. So he's a guy who's, you know, had his issues and those things aren't always super easy, but he's just a warm hearted kid and a kid. Of course, he's probably in his thirties, but when you're 105, like me, everybody seems like a kid, but anyway, it's going to be a fun night. I'm going to be there. Wendy's going to be there. We're going to interact with everybody. And again, most importantly, out of all of this, it goes toward helping the TS Alliance. Few things more important than that. So I say, come on out. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be just fun. It's just going to be a fun night. You hear that, everybody? Get your tickets now. Comedyforacure.org. And if you can't be there, because I get it, if you're not in Southern California, how are you going to get there? For $25, you can watch it online in your underwear. And isn't everything better in our underwear? It just is. So comedyforacure.org, you can see how you can log in, have people over, have your own cocktails, a couple of you know appetizers, whatever you want to do, a full-blown meal, whatever you want to do. But you can sit at home and laugh along with us. Jim's recording right now in his underwear. He's having I a great am. time. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, if you don't show up or do it, I'm going to do full frontal and you're going to regret it. Believe me, you'll never sleep again without nightmares. True. Very true. <laughs> Well, Jim, thank you so much for everything you do for the organization year in and year out. You've been one of our champions and we're just so grateful for everything you do. And, you know, thank you for talking to me today and helping to raise awareness of this incredible event. It is an incredible event and it is always my pleasure. My thanks again to Jim O'Hare and to everyone listening, I implore you to get your tickets now. I mean, just just think of the children, okay? Anyway, next I chatted with this year's co-host, Wendy Liebman. Wendy has also supported this event for several years and has served on the comedy committee and has been instrumental in booking comics for the event year after year. This year, we will be honoring all the ways she has helped move our mission forward by awarding her with the TSC Champion Award. Here's my conversation with Wendy. So we're now joined by the hilarious Wendy Liebman. Wendy, thank you so much for talking to me today. 
oh my God, that's so much pressure now that I have to be no, hilarious. No pressure. Everybody knows how funny you are. We've all seen you perform at Past Comedies for a Cure. But what I'm interested in is how did you first get involved with Comedy for a Cure? Honestly, it was through comedian Craig Shoemaker. I was doing his podcast and he had just been interviewing Jim O'Hare. We connected there. And then through Jim, somehow he pulled me into this and he's like, I don't even understand completely the cause, but I love the people involved. And I jumped on board and I love the people involved. Now, having been part of this process for a couple of years, what is it that keeps bringing you back? You know, you mentioned the people, but what is it about the cause that makes you want to keep donating your time and your energy? Well, I feel like all the money that's going to the organization that they raise goes and actually affects change. Like they've seen progress. So it feels hopeful. And everybody who comes to the events seems passionate about finding a cure. Yeah. And I think what's cool about Comedy for a Cure events is that the families are there too. The kids who are affected, the adults who are affected, and you have the opportunity to meet them and to hear their stories. How does that inspire you? Well, I've met a couple of the families and you see over the years how their lives progress. And it, it just feels like we're knitting a community and we really care about each other. And they laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Beyond raising money to help fund research, you're also raising awareness of TSC to people who may not otherwise have heard about it before. I'm sure it was something you hadn't heard about until you got involved. Yeah. And now I explain it to people and people are really unaware of this disease, but it's more widespread than I even thought. So it feels good to bring awareness. You know, I always think that humor is like the spoonful of sugar. We're telling truths in humor, but we're doing it in a palatable way. It makes perfect sense that you would combine comedy and a cause because we need to tell the truth about this. Just out of curiosity, how did you first get involved in comedy? Oh, we're going back a long time, Dan. <laughs> I took the mail in from the wrong apartment building and in it was a course catalog for an adult ed school. And in that course catalog was a class called How to Be a Stand-Up Comedian. And when I read that, it was like Eureka. I heard angels and bells. And so I took the class. I'm still friends with the teacher, Ron Lynch, who has since been on the Sarah Silverman program program and he runs a show out here in LA called The Tomorrow Show. And getting laughs is addictive. So when I started making more money at my avocation, which was stand-up comedy, I quit my day job and moved to Los Angeles and started my career. That was six years in. I mean, comedy takes a long time to, and I, I don't even want to say master because I'm 35 years in and I still am learning every time I perform. So yeah, that's how I started. I'd always been in musical theater and plays and camp and colleges, but I think it was when I was in a play in college called Uncommon Women and Others, and I had all the funny lines in the scene. And hearing that laughter was like, oh, there is something very addictive about that. This year's show is going to be hybrid, meaning that 
it'll be live stream, but also there will be an in-person component at Feinstein at Fitello's. This is a venue you know pretty well. You've hosted other comedy shows there. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So I used to live around the corner from Vitello's and I walked by one day and said, do you want to do a comedy show in here? This was about six years ago. We have since moved, but I still go back to Vitello's once a month and I produce and host locally grown comedy. We've had everybody from George Lopez to Tignataro to Nikki Glazer to Arsenio. We've had many comedians over the years. So I still do that every month. The room itself has transformed into this gorgeous showroom. Michael Feinstein took over the room and put his name on it. And so it's kind of, it's really classy. They have such good food. Sometimes I can't eat before I perform, but afterwards I'll scarf down a couple of huge pieces of pizza. And then the people who work there are just so accommodating and they love helping with charity. We're thrilled to be having it at the venue and we're just thrilled to be doing something in person, you know, after the last year and a half. I'm sure the comedians are looking forward to being on a stage and getting feedback from an audience. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing these Zoom shows, but I realized, well, A, I realized I have the biggest ears, but two, I realized you we can't smell each other. Like we can't, we can sense each other in other ways. There's an element of like you're in the moment when you're on stage and it's live and it's there's just a, a difference so even though people will be live streaming it as well they will see the audience is right there with us so you also were integral in helping to book all of the comedians for the show how do you go about you know making that ask it was sort of miraculous i went to four comedians marty ross who is the wrinkled rebel he's the 80 something year old comedian who was on America's Got Talent last year. And now he has over like, I want to say 100 million views or something crazy on the internet. Then I went to Jody Miller, who I watched her audition she auditioned the same year I did and she got four standing ovations and she didn't make it to the next level and I was always really surprised so I want to champion her I want her to get the exposure she's so funny and she just adopted a baby so I bet she has some new material about that Taylor Williamson who came in second the year before I was on America's Got Talent he always jokes about him and Heidi Klum how they are like an item and I love that story that he has progressed. And then Drew Lynch, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal comedian. He either won or came in second, but there's nobody funnier on that show than Drew Lynch. So I just asked them all and they were all like, yeah, let's do it. So miracles happen, Dan. You mentioned that they're all America's Got Talent alum as well as you. First of all, what was that experience like? And second of all, is there like a community of comedians who've competed on that show? You know, I did the show because I saw comedian Tom Cotter on the show and I thought, oh, if he's doing it, I could do it. He was on a couple of years before I was. And it's apples and Oreos. I was like competing against a guy, Christian Stoinev, who was an acrobat with his dog. I mean, he was amazing, but it's like, how can you put me up against 
as a singer, it's really hard to judge, I guess. But my takeaway from the experience was the people that I became friends with. Rachel Butera, who's a comedian and a great impersonator. She's on the Howard Stern Show a lot. Matt Franco, who won my year. He's the magician who now has his own showroom at the Lynx in Las Vegas. Emily West, the singer, she came in second. And so I made friends. And what I also wanted to tell you, Jan, was that in thinking about my life, I turned 56. And it's weird because now that I'm 56, I've been forgetting everything like that I'm 60. When I turned 60, (laughs) I realized that most of my nicest moments in my career are meeting people through charity and the benefits that I've done. And so it's a community of like-minded people who come to the shows. I know that we are grateful for you and for all of the time that you've put in to help raise awareness and help put these shows together. And we're really excited to honor you with the TSC Champion Award this year. What does it mean to you to know that the TSC community is touched by your efforts to help move our cause forward? Well, I was supposed to receive this award a couple of years ago, but I got hit by a car and I was in bed with broken feet and a broken leg for a long time. And I remember thinking I was supposed to be given this award then. I remember thinking, do I really deserve it? What have I done? Like, you know, why me? Now I'm embracing it. I feel so honored. I feel like, let me use my singular voice to help this cause. So I'm really embracing the fact that I'm being given this award. And life is very fragile. I realized that from my accident. And so I came out of the other side feeling grateful for every single thing. And so I appreciate this award more than I can express. Well, thank you so much for everything you do for this event and for our organization. And just thank you for taking some time to talk to me today. It's been my pleasure, Dan. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you on the 17th. My thanks again to Wendy for talking to me and for hyping up the incredible lineup of comedians we have this year. We are so excited to celebrate her and she and Jim are going to be quite the combo hosting. So finally, I talked to Althea Grace, a musician and TSC mom who burst onto the scene this year on the 19th season of American Idol, where she used her platform to bravely share her own story of her journey with her daughter Lennon, and in doing so, not only helped raise incredible awareness of TSC, but also inspired other individuals and families touched by this disease because they knew that they were not alone. For her efforts, we will be honoring Althea with the Courage and Leadership Award, and she will also be performing at this year's event. Here's my conversation with Althea. So we're now joined by Althea Grace. Althea, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to see you perform at the upcoming Comedy for a Cure event. But before getting into the event itself, can you give us a little bit of a background on your connection to tuberous sclerosis and your daughter's diagnosis? My daughter, Lennon, she got diagnosed with TS when she was about 10 months old. She started having infantile spasms. And then subsequently, we found her tubers in her brain and her heart and kidneys. And yeah, she's she's been doing wonderful. You know, what was that experience? 
experience like for you? This is a disease I'm sure you've never heard of. What were you feeling when you got that news? It's interesting because so she was born with her ash leaf spots that she has. And when she was born, I remember freaking out and bringing her to the doctor and being like, what are these spots? And he was like, they're birthmarks. It's fine. And actually, when she got diagnosed with the infantile spasms, I'm like the queen of researching. And so I immediately was like, what could this be? And I actually went to the neurologist and was like, I think she has tuberous sclerosis. She has these spots. She's having seizures. This is what I think it is. And then it was actually kind of an accident that she got diagnosed with the TS because they wanted to do a heart echo before she got an MRI. And when they did the heart echo, they saw her tubers on her heart. And that's how they diagnosed her. I mean, it was really scary to be like first time mom, my only kid. And it was like, okay, your daughter is having seizures. And then it was like, okay, she has tumors in her heart. Like, okay, she has tumors in her brain. And it was just like one thing after another that they're telling you. And they can't for sure say that it's tuberous sclerosis until they do the genetic testing. So then it was like, we were just sitting around for weeks being like, is it confirmed? Do we know that this is what she has? And then it, as I'm sure people listening know, if you have tuberous sclerosis, you can pass it on. There's a 50% chance of passing it on to your children. So then her dad and I were getting tested to be like, oh my gosh, like, could I give this if I had more kids? I remember that week that she got diagnosed, the whole week felt like a year, just like new thing after new thing. And how is Lennon doing now? She's doing really good. Lennon had a liver transplant uh, about a year and a half ago. And so she's had like a few other health scares since getting diagnosed with the TS. But for the most part, she's doing really good. You talked really publicly about the experience of, you know, learning that she needs a liver transplant in the days you spent at the hospital. Can you just, you know, share that with our audience a little bit about what that experience was like? So it was only about a month after she got diagnosed with TS, Lennon went into acute liver failure. And so we went to bed one night and she was doing totally fine. And then the next morning woke up and she was just like, couldn't wake up, was lethargic, was sick. And by the end of that day, I was told that she was in liver failure. She needed a liver transplant immediately. And so everything with Lennon has always been very shocking. You know, it's like, oh, you're perfectly fine. And then the next day they're telling you she needs an emergency liver transplant. And the big thing for me was like, my grandmother had had a liver transplant when she wasn't like in her sixties. And so I remember when they told me that she needed a liver transplant, I laughed. I was like, older people get liver transplants, like people who drink too much, people this and that. And I was like, babies don't get liver transplants. Like how does she get, you know, a liver transplant? So her getting diagnosed with TS, I thought that week was felt like a year long. Like the week it took waiting for her liver transplant felt like, I mean, I feel like I lived a whole lifetime in one week waiting for her to get her transplant. You shared that story as part of your audition for American Idol. What inspired you to be so open about, you know, what was going on with Lennon and what you were going through throughout that whole process? When Lennon got sick, I realized that there's two ways you can go about things where there was no way I could possibly change what was happening. Like her getting sick, her getting a liver transplant. I had no control over the situation. I even offered to, I was like, can I give a partial liver? I was just trying to do anything to control it. And I realized that just, it's impossible. I have no say over what happens. I'm not God. I'm not a doctor. I'm, you know, nothing. And so for me, I was like, if I can't change things, I have two choices. One, I can lay down and feel sorry for myself and cry and scream and hate the world and be sad all the time. 
or I can accept it and be grateful for all the things in life that there are to be grateful for and just accept that like this is our new normal and what we're going through. And so for me, sharing that story in the Idol audition, I just really wanted it to be shed in a positive light, which it was. And I'm so grateful that it was. Her getting sick was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life, but there still can be so much good that can come out of it. And, you know, just this newfound appreciation for life that I really wanted to like share with the rest of the world. Your story really resonated with a lot of people in the TSC community, that feeling of not knowing what the next thing is going to be. And, you know, we actually kind of got tipped off that you were going to be on American Idol and we're trying to hype you up as much as we could. Did yeah. you get a lot of, you know, either messages or or responses from other people who've been affected by TSC while you were on the show? I got a lot of messages, a lot of people reading out, but there was one in particular that stood out the most to me. Well, there were two. The first one was a woman who reached out that like her sister had gotten diagnosed with TS like 20 years ago. And her watching me on Idol helped her to discover the TS Alliance. They literally did not know that anybody else with tuberous sclerosis existed out there. And so her watching that on Idol, I sent her the TS Alliance and she got to like connect with other people who have TS. And then the one that really stuck out the most to me was there was a comment from a mom of a kid who has TS and she posted a picture and it was a picture of her child with a EEG cap on. And they were sitting in the hospital bed doing a five day EEG watching me on American Idol. And it was like completely coincidental. Like they're in the hospital for their EEG. I'm on American Idol talking about tuberous sclerosis and they were watching it. And I read this whole comment and I bawled my eyes out because I was just, you know, I remember remember the first few EEGs that we did. Like I remember being there with her for three days, being there with her for five days, being there, you know, on and off for different periods of time and just feeling like so lonely and just feeling so alone and being like, you know, this is a super rare genetic condition. Like who else is doing this? I've never even heard of an EEG. I've never even heard of, you know, any of this stuff. So to get to be that person who like made all of these parents and all of these kids feel like they're not alone. It was like so, so special to me. You auditioned with an original song, Saturday Mornings, that you actually wrote at the hospital. Yeah. What role has music played in helping you get through the hard times, cope with whatever happens? What role has it just played in your life in general? I always joke when I'm on stage, I'm like, you know, I don't really get nervous for performances, but every once in a while I'm standing on stage going, oh, it's like standing in front of a bunch of strangers reading them my diary, which is always an interesting feeling. When Lennon was in the ICU for her transplant, I sat there, I had my guitar with me the entire like four months we were in the hospital. And I would just sit there and like sing her songs and write songs for her. And there was two songs that I wrote in the hospital. One was Saturday morning, the song about cherishing the time I had with her. But the other one was the song that I wrote called LA County. And it was really interesting because I was sitting there writing a song, like sitting next to her bed and I couldn't figure out what it was about. It was like, it was just coming out of me and I couldn't figure out what I was writing about. And I realized that it was me writing this song from her perspective where she was like basically asking me to like not give up, to hold out hope to be, you know, strong and to just like stay put because it's going to be okay. And it was like me writing this song from her perspective. And it's just been this like really beautiful way, you know, to like, even in those moments when I'm like sitting in a hospital room alone with her and it's just me sitting there all day. She's not, you know, really doing much. I'm just sitting there. It's like a really nice, like safety blanket that I have to help me get through that stuff. 
What motivated you to take the leap and try out for American Idol? In all honesty, Lennon getting sick and the pandemic put together are, I probably never would have auditioned for any show ever if it wasn't for that. But Lennon had been in the hospital when I found out about Idol auditions coming up and she was in the hospital. COVID had just started. And I was just at this crossroads with my career where I was like, I literally can't go out and play shows. I can't go out and do music right now. Like I have to be here with Lennon and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So what am I going to do? And you know, the opportunity to audition came up and I was like, okay, like, why not? Let's just see what happens. Like I'm not really doing anything else musically right now anyways. And, and then it was just, it just kept going. I was like, okay, I'll audition. We'll see what happens. And then I got through that. And then it was like, okay, you made it through your audition. Like now there's the next round. And I was like, okay, we'll just try that one. And then it just, you know, kept going. And I was like, okay, I'm actually doing this. This is really cool. What was the whole idol experience like? And how has that helped, you know, propel your career since then? It was a really cool experience. Very intense, very unlike anything musically I've ever done. It's about music, but it's also reality TV. So it's just a very intense experience. But, you know, musically, I'm really grateful for the way that they showed my story. I'm grateful that they showed everything how I wanted it to be showed. Very positive, just beautiful, not just musically, but like career wise, just getting to like, you know, talk about these things with Lennon and, you know, like do interviews and articles talking about being a single parent who's a woman who has a medically complex child and is pursuing this like dream like career, you know, not something that's very typical and simple. It's been really cool to just like get to kind of be that voice for people. We have the distinct honor of honoring you at this upcoming Comedy for a Cure event on October 17th for the role you've played in helping to raise awareness of TSC nationally. What does it mean to be recognized for that and and to continue to help us raise awareness of TSC? When Lennon got diagnosed with TS, my dad, I got my little like clean research thing from him. And he, it was like the second she got diagnosed, he had read every article that existed on the internet about TS. I'm from Chicago. So he connected with like the TS Alliance people in Chicago. And he was like, just completely like immersed himself. And I was really overwhelmed. I couldn't fathom like having to talk about it more. And I didn't want to talk about TS anymore. I was like, I can't, I was like, all I do all day long is like take care of Lennon and figure this stuff out and you know, whatnot. And then once I started to feel better, I remember just being like, dad, like I want to be involved. I just like, how, I don't know what I can do. Like, you know, I'm working all the time and, you know, have this two-year-old and it's just me. And I was like, I don't know how to be involved. And, you know, the second that I got that opportunity for Idol, I was like, okay, this is my opportunity to like do something big for the community and to like give back. And, you know, because everybody back in Chicago from the TS Alliance were so supportive and so like caring and kind and just made me feel not alone and offered support and different things. So I'm just super honored. I would never think like, oh, I'm an inspiring person, but to get to like talk to all these people who felt the same way I did when Lennon got diagnosed and now they don't feel lonely or like they're the only ones or like it's not going to be okay. It's just really touching. And I'm just super honored to like get to even be a part of this community, let alone, you know, get to be that voice for everybody. So what can people look forward to when they come and see you perform in October? First of all, it's going to be cool to like 
play again in person and do that some more. But yeah, I'm probably going to sing a couple songs about, you know, the experience of Lennon getting sick and her diagnosis and all that. So I'm just really hoping that, you know, I can connect with other people who know what that feeling is that I'm writing about. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank yeah. you for sharing your music. And I'm sure everyone's excited to see you perform on October 17th. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. My thanks again to Althea for taking time to share her story with me. I was just so struck in listening to her talk about her experiences, how what she went through is not uncommon for other parents of kids with TSC. But what was truly inspiring was how she channeled those experiences into her music and has now used her platform to connect with others and raise awareness. As you can tell, this year's Comedy for Your Cure is going to be an amazing show that you do not want to miss. Be sure to get your tickets now at comedyforcure.org. Do not wait. Do it right now. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to TSC Now, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to TSC Now. Our theme song is Take Charge by Young Presidents. Listen to all our episodes and subscribe to the podcast now at tscalliance.org slash tscnow. See you next time.